This is View from the Cop on the Blood Red Channel, our Liverpool FC fans podcast, bringing you all the big talking points at Anfield. Hello and welcome to the View from the Cop podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Uh, firstly, a bit of an apology as this is our first of the season, I think it is, yeah, lads. It's yeah, been a while. Oh. It, the last time was... Summer, wasn't it? Looking before, ahead before, to the season. Before Bradford. <laughs> Holidays and things like that have got in the way. Uh, but it's not a bad time to do it, let's face it, with Liverpool sitting top of the Premier League. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm pleased to say I'm joined by three of our regulars, Paul Philbin. Hello. Neil McDonald. Hello. And Peter Harris is back as well. Hello. Glad good, to be back. Good to see you, lads. So, as I say, four games in, six including the Community Shield and the uh, UEFA Super Cup. What are your thoughts so far? Um, perfect without being perfect. If Liverpool had went into all these games and every game was 5-0, I'd be concerned because there would have been no questions asked about this Liverpool side. And people shouldn't doubt us. If you doubt and don't trust the Liverpool side now, you never will. But after the summer of not signing players, there was always there were people like, we're going to fall off, we're going to fall off. But that's been put to bed already after six games. The Community Shield went toe-to-toe with City. That second half was great, considering it was so early on in the season. And then each game has added to challenges. Um, Norwich weren't as easy as the first half suggested. Going to Southampton at any point in the season is tough. Big game at home, Arsenal. And then, who was, who was the last one? Burnley, Burnley away. So, Burnley away. So we made that look like a routine. Walk in the park and ask anybody going to Safe more is not easy. So... It's perfect the fact that we haven't been at 100% yet. Yeah, I think the last one, Burnley away, it kind of epitomised it, where I can't remember seeing a fixture like Burnley away. Typically you think, oh, here's the banana skin, here's where we see what they can do. And they're still able to play some enjoyable football, just a joy to watch. And perfect start to the season, couldn't ask for any more. Uh, you could argue that September fixtures, that's when the real test starts. But so far, you can't ask for more than 100% start in the league, already a trophy in the cabinet. What more do you want? Yeah, you know, I think it's 13 straight league victories. It's a club record now going back since the end of last season and obviously into the four this so far this season, which is, is, is remarkable. And Paul's right there, you know, like the fact that there have been tough fixtures in there, Southampton away after that long night in Istanbul with the UEFA Super Cup. And then you go back to the summer, it was pretty disrupted. You know, there were times when a lot of players weren't available, people coming back late and there were, I say, there were a few questions in pre-season, weren't there? Because there were some goals were conceded. The fact that they've just got back down to business and won four out of four, how impressive is that? I mean, it's it's really impressive. It, the thing is, it, it was a disrupted summer, but it wasn't a disrupted past few years. And if you look at the way clock works, and especially if you haven't read it yet, people should read uh, Rafi Honigstein's book about clock. But in that, he talks about his time at Dortmund and how it took a few years for them to act, to fully absorb all his ideas and his ways of playing and patterns of play and uh, trigger points for the press and that type of thing. But once they did, it just became automatic. And I think that's where, even though as a summer, everyone expected him to buy a couple more players, the fact that he hasn't, is actually a strength because everyone who's there is now fully conversant in the way he wants us to play. And what that's put us in is a few years ago, we were the team who would play well against the big sides and not necessarily win and come away thinking, oh, we're a bit unlucky there. Whereas now we're the ones who teams can have spells against, but it just doesn't matter. 
because we put our foot down for 20 minutes, accelerate away, and then that's it, the game's over, job done. So I think, yeah, it was a disrupted summer, but this now is this is the, the sweet spot now, I think, for Klopp's team in terms of the, the development coming to fruition of the, the past few years. I think Arsenal was the best example of that because... It was they had chances in the first half, didn't they? Pepe went one on one, he had another good effort. But then for twenty minutes the game was just completely taken away from him. And I oh, think absolutely. Emery was the best after the game. He turned around and said, Oh, we've we've definitely closed the gap on Liverpool, like he <laughs> claimed some kind of moral victory yeah. that they hadn't lost five one this season. Yeah. Well the Arsenal fan T V said something. There was a video <laughs> of it going round of one of the I don't even know what you want to call them. Talking about um that Arsenal game nearly. Like, We've scored. <laughs> We've scored in Anfield. It's a win for us. It's like, come on. Or was it, oh, we, somebody took a pass Van Dijk or something. That just shows the level of Liverpool at that. I think the Burnley game more, um, like in the away end, you could, you could watch it and after five minutes, you just need Burnley give up. Liverpool hadn't even started. After five minutes, Burnley just went, oh, I'd rather not play this game. And then, in the away end, you could sense it. They were just barely just hoofing the ball, and everyone was just saying, "We're going to walk away here, two, three, nil," and it's just going to be so routine. But it felt like a grind, and it just it, exactly that because they were trying to just kill as much time as they could by just hoofing it as far as they could, and it was a grim game to watch. And Liverpool just went, oh, we were going to play our football for a period of half an hour or so. We were relentless, but." <laughs> I've already missed a goal in every game so far this season. <laughs> Doing what? Going to bar? Yeah. <laughs> There's been a fair few goals though. But like all, all joking aside, what you said there, like it felt like Burnley gave up. The fact that Arsenal were celebrating going past Van Dijk or scoring a goal. Do you think it's almost getting Man City levels where Absolutely. teams now are yes. just like, we're not going to beat these today? Absolutely. Like I think I mentioned it towards the end of last season. Teams are going to go into this season and go, Liverpool, European champions. They got 97 points last season. Here we go. It's like the great teams of the 80s and like the game was won before you'd even got on the pitch and that's how it feels at times. Now, come Saturday against Newcastle, that's going to be tough for 20 minutes. Steve Bruce is going to come, Edron behind the ball, but the second we turn it on, they've got absolutely no chance, you'd imagine, and that's going to be the trend for the rest of the season. The only team who, like, obviously we're going to have a bad day at some point, but the only team that can go toe-to-toe with Liverpool and Manchester City do you lads feel the same? Has there ever been a time supporting Liverpool that you've you felt this confident going into every game? You know, you look at the stats, well, it's April 2017 since the last home defeat to Palace, you know, and I see going to places like Burnley, playing well Burnley this season and just wiping the floor with them. Have you ever felt this confidence about a team before? <laughs> no, I don't think I have. <laughs> I think there's always times, there's fixtures coming up, which were usually the ones, especially like Chelsea coming up. It's like, they were always the fixtures I'd look to, so I'd go, oh, I really want to get a result and then really just... I take a draw, but now I'll be really disappointed if we don't if we don't get a win in that fixture. Now, uh, there were yeah, t- seasons gone past. You'd think teams would play better, have a bit of spark of energy because they want to beat Liverpool so much. That's still there, but the ability to beat this team isn't there anymore. So they want to try, but they just can't do it. They're too good. They are getting that level of, of what Man City were last season. Yeah, and I'm speaking as the the oldest member of the panel. <laughs> um, then I can remember what it was like when we'd go to um, we'd go to games like that. I mean, I remember one in particular. There's, loads, there's so many examples, but you mentioned Newcastle as they were coming. There was one. Um, this is back in the eighties, New Year's Day game at Anfield, and I was due to go in the cop. 
And by the time I got there, the cop was sold out. So I was waiting outside for the people who took me, who were like my dad's mates. I was like, oh, I can't get in. What can I do? What? Anyway, I managed the, the sort of time-honoured sort of, any spurs, any spurs? Mm. And I got one and went in. And this was in Newcastle when Paul Gascoigne was just starting to uh, announce himself and were thought of as, you know, a, um, a good side. This should be an interesting game. We won 4-0. It was 4-0 at a canter. Now, that was, that was a great Liverpool side and proved it in terms of trophies like this one has done now. Um, so, yeah, it is a, it's a funny situation where you go into games like that because we haven't had that for, for a long time. You know, even you know, some of our best sides since then never had that level of dominance and there was always the question mark, well, does this, this team just answer questions? That's what they do. Anyone puts a question up, they're like Steve Smith. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely perfect. Yeah. You try try plan A, plan A fails. Try plan B and then give up. Is the you know just bowl at the other end? And unfortunately, they can't because uh, you know because we're so good. So that's what we are now. We are Steve Smith, and we'll just we'll just take anyone anything that anyone's got to throw at us. We'll take it on, and then have a look, assess it, and then we'll win the game. Do you think that that's obviously going to come down to what happens on the training ground, Klopp, like? meticulously drumming it into the players over a week after month after year after year but how big a thing do you think winning the Champions League will do to these players you know because often the old pros say the first trophy is the hardest and it's a bit of a cliche but you know what they're talking about surely it's true surely this must make them feel like even better now like they can do anything absolutely like this week alone you've, there's been quotes from Wijnaldum saying we've won the biggest one that you can win now we want to go mm-hmm. win the Premier League this time last year even though everyone had a idea that Liverpool were going to challenge for the title we weren't talking about the title well as fans we were but the players were like see where we're at come the new year all this whereas from day one let's go and win it that's like that's been the mentality from the players well probably since the European Cup final you mentioned about coming down to the train ground but I also think the fans have had massive massive say on that because Liverpool fans are going into games with an arrogance of You've got no chance. Home or away, the atmosphere has improved at Anfield. It's, this period over the last year or so is probably the best period I've had going to match at Anfield in terms of atmospheres. And then the away ends have just improved massively because everyone's moving in this... I don't even know what the word is. Unison, like, kind yeah, of thing, yeah, togetherness. Yeah. And it feels like you're part of something, like you're watching like history unfold in... That a team, a team that in 30, 40, 50 years, people are going to be talking about. So that, you, t- you take all that in, into con- consideration, I suppose the only dark cloud or the cloud on the horizon is is Man City because it's ridiculous to be saying this, but four games in, I don't know about you lads, but I can only see one team stopping Liverpool from winning the title. I can only see one team stopping City from winning the title. No one else seems to be coming close. You look at the table, Leicester have got eight points. But then already you're talking five-point gaps to the other members of the 70. big six, 70 yeah. United. Is that fair enough to say? Is, is this a two-horse race already? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can imagine so. You, you can't see any other teams that they're not playing on the same level, even, even though Spurs have improved, but they're still... To, they look like they're stagnating a little bit since from last season. You know, United aren't anywhere near currently. And then who's next? They're, they're all in the transitional period that Liverpool was. So it'll be, I think it'll be a couple more seasons before it's more than two horse race. Neil, you said before we started recording that you, you, you think or you hope that a slip from City may come because for... For two seasons now, in terms of the league, 100 points and then 98 points, it is absolutely relentless. But 
surely at some point, and maybe with this Laporte injury, they are down to two recognised centre-backs now. Do you think at some stage it, it could happen? I mean, you've, that's that's based just on pure hope. That's not based on any sort of um, data or, or statistical analysis or, or tactical weakness that I've, I've sort of identified. You just think sooner or later, they just can't keep winning. You know, they can't keep on and keeping on and keeping on. You know, the pressure to win has got to ease because it didn't stop for the whole of last season. You know, we would put the pressure on they, and, and vice versa. They would put the pressure on. We would generally respond. And it was just, it was just very, very difficult to keep that, um, to keep that going. Even though what we did was remarkable, it just shows the levels that they've they've got. So you've got to think they can't keep that going because no one can. You know, no, um, even in the, again, when we were dominant in the seventies and the eighties, we could do it for like a couple of seasons, and then we might have one where we'd slip, or yeah. someone else would come up, or, or or where we'd win, but we'd win with twenty points less. Um, because we haven't had to um, to raise our game, so yeah, I mean, I, you've got to think it that they are they will not be able to keep this going. You know, they they can't. They must have um, you know a, a slump in them at some point because because um, it, it's just incredible if they don't. It, it's unprecedented if they don't. Um, and for this for Liverpool to have a side this good, you know, in most. Well, if in any other league in Europe, we'd have won by 20 points. Um, you know, they deserve to win the title. I think they do deserve to win the title. Um, and hopefully the way that happens is is we continue our our sort of ev- evolution and our, and our sort of um, sort of juggernaut-like form, you know, just keep crushing all, all comers and City do have a, uh, a slip up. You keep waiting as well for this. You know, their focus is the Champions League. They want to win the Champions League. You keep waiting for that to kick in. I don't know if the fans do. That's the thing, do they? Mm. That's, I bet Guardiola must surely want to win that. I think he's desperate for that, yeah. That's the one he just hasn't won yet. You know, he's done everything but that with Man City. So, yeah, that's, that's, his, that's his holy grail for that club. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually managed it and then left. Yeah, yeah. It's um, crazy. Go on, sorry, Peter. Yeah, but you just don't know if, if he ever will. Are that team good enough? Even though they... Last Champions League season, they played some great football, but it, there's something about European football that other teams don't seem to have got the knack for that Liverpool has. I think the crowd makes a big difference as well. You you just said it then, Phil, didn't you, about how important the Liverpool crowd has been this, and we all know how important it's been on European nights for a number of many, many, many years and decades now, but I just don't think the City fans help <clears> on their nights, turning the back on the anthem. I think they've made the point now, and, and maybe that will hinder them, maybe that'll get to Guardiola eventually. He's already said it a couple of times, hasn't he? We need to embrace this competition, but it's clear the fans aren't. I actually think City getting all the, the, the groups, the it seems to happen every year, dead easy. Mm. I think the, as soon as they get into knockout stages, they get caught out cold because they're then playing teams in Europe who, European giants, just know how to win over two legs, have this order about them. Like It's the same with Liverpool. Like Bayern Munich drew Liverpool last season. Went, Liverpool, European heavyweight, it's going to be tough this. But going back to City, um, in the league, it's crazy that we're at the first international break and City dropping points already feels massive. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I remember last season when we played Arsenal away and we dropped points one one. I think it was uh, we were winning with about ten minutes to go. That draw, you just 
Shot deflated from a draw to the Emirates. It's, <laughs> yeah, in a really good game yeah, of football as well, like, isn't it? It's going to be at that level again. What I'm hoping, and there's signs of it like towards the back end of last season and the start of this, Guardiola looks stressed. Like he, He's doing things with like um, Aguero when he comes off and he's telling him to do this and shouting at him. Like The players aren't going to want that. Like There's been quotes this week from Phil Foden talking about how he felt embarrassed or something by what Guardiola said to him. Like... Guardiola is so intense that eventually that's just got to... He burns people out, doesn't yeah, Exactly, yeah. And hopefully they focus on Europe and... Oh, Liverpool just keep winning. They're like, we've been told so with them for the year. Maybe we just can't keep up with them, even though they had the upper hand towards the end of last season by winning the title. The competition could be the downfall of Manchester City. Does make great viewing for the neutral. I think you used the words, uh, used the comparison of Steve Smith. To me, they remind me of like Sampras and uh, sorry, like Nadal and Federer. Mm-hmm. It just feels like two sporting greats, you know, going together. And however long this lasts for, it's it's going to be interesting viewing. But do you honestly think it could take another 97, 98 point season to win the league? You know, I think Neil used the word unprecedented for last season. Do you think we might have to see that again this year? Um, I think. Well, at the moment, it looks like. That's the case, doesn't it? it? It's hard to see where we're going to drop points. And unfortunately, even though they have dropped points, you still get plenty of those games where teams just stop playing uh, against City, you know, these, or never really start. You just go into it and think, well, 2-0 will do today um, and don't even try. So, yeah, I think unless unless we go on, you know, we go on a mad run of form and they slip up a few. If we, if we get a gap more so... Than we did last. I mean, last year the Emirates game was absolutely key, wasn't it? If we'd have, even a draw in that would have kept our distance. Whereas as it was, that was the, the chink in the armor for them to exploit. So yeah, I think it will need something again um, unprecedented for us to uh, to try and have the same, you know, the same level of points, but but to to get over the over the hill. I think as well, like Klopp said, it's going to be difficult for us. If you think of the, especially the Barcelona semi final, you can't do one of those every year. You know the stats will say you're not going to be able to turn stuff around. So it could be that this year, having won the um, the Champions League, everyone's focus is what makes that crucial difference. Everyone now, having won the Champions League, will be thinking, "Well, it's the league, it's the league, it's the league," and th- you know that might make the the small difference that um, that gets us over the hill. The view from the cop on the Blood Red Channel. If any team are going to drop points, I suppose it's uh, stages like this of the season or around October, November time when the games really come thick and fast. I think it's six games in 18 days after we return to action this weekend. Is this the time we're going to see the strength of Liverpool squad? You know, Klopp's kept more or less to the same 11 since the start of the season, but there's a lot of players chomping at the bit. I imagine. Is anyone you're particularly looking forward to coming back and showing what they can do? Just from his um, performance against Southampton, I can't wait for Oxley Chamberlain to get in more minutes under his belt like considering the Super Cup he just looked so unfit and then a few days later to play in centre midfield where he wants to play they've play completely and you've got to be excited about that there's obviously a few other players like Kaiser and um, Gomez at the back there's so many players around that haven't had a chance so far this season that You'd be mad not to be excited to see all these. Even Lallana, like, all right, he's probably six, seventh in the pecking order in that midfield. But when we play MK Dons in a few weeks, you probably would imagine he'll play there. He'll go out to make a point, right? I want to be in the starting lineup in the next game. So 
it's happy days really you can't you can't be um worried about anything it's an opportunity for players and if somebody performs then happy days if it means somebody else is being kicked out the side because somebody else performed better than them so yeah you mentioned you know. midfielders there, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Cater to come back in as well. And I know you've been particularly impressed by Fabinho, Paul. I know you'll, you'll talk about him in a sack. Are, are you the same? Has he been, for you guys, has he been the most impressive Liverpool player so far this season? Or is there anyone else who's particularly stood out for you? For me, well, it's all, it's the Brazilian duo, I think, Fabinho and Firmino. Um, last time I saw him, Firmino was just outstanding. It's, it's, I'm surprised we don't read more transfer rumours about him, uh, whether that be you know, European heavyweights or the Premier League sides. He just has everything. He's pure centre-forward. He's not out-and-out striker, but he makes the attack work. He seems to just know instinctively where Manejo Salah is. He knows if he has to pass to infielder. He knows if he can take the shot on himself. It's just outstanding, his recent performances. And I think it probably helps having his compatriot Fabinho behind him in passing the balls up the field towards the spaces that he's in. Uh, I'd say Mane's been the one I would pick out from the season so far. I think on the on the quiet, he's become it like even more crucial than he was before. The amount of games where he's the one who breaks the deadlock or who makes the crucial contribution is is ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I I really like him. I think he's a top player. He seems like a top bloke. I loved that he had his strop when um, <laughs> Salah didn't pass to him because that's exactly what you want to. What you want to see, so yeah, Mane's been my pick for um, you know best player of the season so far. And and in terms of players, I'm looking forward to seeing. Then Allison would be the one, you know, I can't wait for him to um, to come back as well as um, Adrian's done. Um, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? Uh, in the same way as it was. As I mean, I think Mignolet was a better deputy than and a better keeper than Adri- than Adrian is between him and Alisson and, and between Adrian and Alisson, it's, it's, it's just too much of a gap. So having him back, I think, will will improve the team, will take us up another couple of levels again. Before you talk Fabinho, well, like just the Salah-Mane spat, I thought it was uh, an example of five-a-side players all over the country when you just <laughs> feel like you're not getting a pass, and that's what strikers do. So I thought it was quite interesting that people try to make more of it, and it, it, you, when you are at the top of the table, people do look for those little chinks yeah, in the right. armour, don't they? And, and, and I think some of that's what Liverpool are going to have to get used to now, aren't they? Little things like that will become bigger things almost, and Klopp did the best thing by laughing it off after mm. the game. I- for me, those reaction in the tunnel. That was the best yeah. of the lot, wasn't it's like, it? I think <laughs> it's like he's seen this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. It's like if you want, at the end of the day, they want to win, they want to score goals. Happy days. Let, let them let them argue. If we win three 0 every week and they argue on the pitch, I'm more than happy with that. More than happy. I think you'd want to see that because they were thrilled up. It wasn't like yeah, <laughs> it, it was nil nil or something like yeah, that. No, you might, you might and he's still <laughs> saying, "Can pass me the ball? I could have got the foot." That's exactly what we're seeing. And it, it was the reaction of the players on the bench as well, which I just loved every moment of it. Because most of the time, if you get something like that, everyone's just just face forward, just ignore it, just let it pass. But they're all just patting him on the back, just like, "Just don't worry about it. Next time we'll get you." Kind of thing. It's great. That's what you want to see. Yeah, when you're challenging for the title. No, man, he's probably got some kind of celebration up his, uh, my, uh, up his uh, sleeve to remember it. My hope is that the next game, Salah will pass to Mane, Mane scores, and they both do the peace and love celebration. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
good stuff. Before we uh, we kind of go on to the last section of the podcast, go on then, Paul, Fabinho, how good is he? Is, is there a better player in his position in the Premier League at the moment? I know Fernandinho's had that claim for a number of years, but how good is he Is he becoming? Even, even last season, Fabinho's performance level, once he settled, it was unbelievable. I, I'd actually say he had the best season of Fernandinho last year. Since he's come into the side, he's made that position his own. And he's more than just a holding midfielder. Like there's been times this season where he's picked up the ball, ran with it 30, 40 yards, and created something that we may not have scored from it. But honest to God, he's a player that Liverpool have needed for, well, since Mascherano's left early. And I'd even go as far as saying he's better than Mascherano. He is unbelievable. I, I, I absolutely love him. I'd, um, it's crazy. I can't believe it that he just does not get anywhere near that Brazil side. I, I know Brazilians love the uh, the attack and flair and things like that. I know they won the Copa America, but if they go into the World Cup without him in that midfield, they won't win that that World Cup. You need when it comes round and out a while. Away, you need somebody who's just gonna do the hard work. He is so good and he reads the game so well. He, he like you think, oh, there's loads of space there. Next minute is his legs. Like he's yeah. <laughs> it's crazy and. I think everyone loves him for that tackle he made on Suarez last season. So, yeah, he is. He's probably now just as important to that Liverpool side as Van Dijk is, as the front three is, and as Alisson is. Well, that's a big claim. And it's crazy to think, like a year ago, we may have been kind of wondering when he was actually going to emerge onto the scene, but it's another great example of Klopp waiting for the players, mm-hmm. isn't he? You know, Robertson's the same, and uh, and he really paying the paying the dividends now. But just before we finish, then you you said there, Paul, that uh, that he was better than Mascherano, and I think we all agree this is probably the best Liverpool team since eighty seven, eighty eight. That would that be fair enough to say? Nearly, you obviously seen that team, but it's it's the best Liverpool team. It's done enough over these last three or four years with the Champions League trophy almost a clincher. Is that fair enough to say the best Liverpool team of your lifetime? Best I've seen by an absolute mile. Yeah, yeah. I think best best since eighty seven, eighty eight. I mean, I was fortunate enough to to see that team. You know, when they were at the peak for a couple of seasons. You know, I was there at Forest and QPR, those sort of games, and and they were, um, you know, they were a wonderful side. So, but yeah, the best since then for sure. Yeah, it's one of the best. I never thought I'd say that from a once. I think Stephen Gerrard left. Thought, oh, that's it. I'm never going to see that. A better midfield and, and this and, and have, and that's a very strange feeling, but it's great. Good feeling to have. So before we finish, then, so let's have a look. And in, in in your lifetime, guys, which players would get in this team? And I think the beauty of this team is <coughs> the fact that it's a team. But you know, I've got some names here: Gerrard, Carragher, Fowler, Owen, Hippier, Alonso, Suarez, Hanson, Barnes. Is there anyone you think over the past? Liverpool teams you've been watching would think, yeah, this would improve this team. Um, well, the obvious ones, Gerard, for obvious reasons. Um, one that you didn't mention there, and this is nothing to do with Trent, but I just think Abelo was so underrated in um, when he was there for the few years. He was the fact that we sold him for one point two five million was an absolute <laughs> joke, by the way. Um, yeah, I think Abelo could be in with a sheltered right back. Like, just, well, just because of Trent's age, Trent's been amazing since he's come in. He's one of the best in Europe. But Abelow, how solid he was, was mm. just yeah. He he he'd be in with the shouts. Um, Torres at his peak, maybe gets. But the way Liverpool play now, a lot of those players wouldn't suit that system. I don't think maybe 
Gerard is the only one, but who else are the three that you take out? So if you'd have Fabinho in there, why now them's crucial to that midfield? Like when he didn't play in the Super Cup, you could see that he wasn't on the pitch. He's just everywhere. He's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's tough. I I can't say there's one player where you go, he gets in that starting lineup, other than Gerard. No. Um, if I was going to pick, I mean, I've, again, as we've established that, I'm old, so I've seen quite a lot. Older. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so in terms of someone who would definitely get into that team from the players I've seen, then Alan Hansen would be, I mean, that's, you know, that's not so much of a hot take. One of the club's greatest ever players, greatest ever captains, absolute legend. But he, can you imagine a centre-back partnership of him and Van Dijk? Oh, my God. That, the other teams might as well just give up. <laughs> um, you know, that would be very, very uh, impressive. And you can say he, he would definitely come in and immediately, you know, improve in terms of since, you know, from that 87, 88 team onwards. The other person who I think, and this would, it sounds mad saying it's more difficult given how, how amazing he was. But I'd say the sort of 87, 88 John Barnes not central mid John Barnes, but flying Wide winger. player, yeah. John Barnes would be, he would fit, he could play across the front three um, and would, uh, would just be incredible um, in the in the modern game because he was incredible then for a time. He was, you know, in that team, he was the X factor. He was untouchable, um, as untouchable as any player I think I've, um, I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah, from 87, 88 onwards, Gerard, like Paul said, but the two, the other two I would pick, I haven't mentioned, would be Barnes and Hanson. Would be the two I think would would get it. I mean, I, I'm not sure who you'd leave out to get Barnes in. That's a, a great very, luxury to have one. There. Very, very difficult um, to sort of work that out. But, but yeah, what what a player he was when he was, you know, the sort of the flying winger, uh, just unbelievable. I think that's it. It's trying to justify taking somebody out yeah. of the yeah. side, isn't it? And then you just can't really because yeah. all the. F- pieces fit together yeah, don't they exactly. so it. well because I think Suarez could probably fit the system of the front three like in his prime from when he when he played for Liverpool but I don't know how to push even though I've said how much I've enjoyed him at Firmino he could probably play that centre forward role similar but with maybe some extra pace that Suarez used to have sometimes when he played it I remember seeing him in a, a League Cup game he was on the bench and then he came on and it seemed like he was playing every one of those forward three roles when he came on um, so I think at a push, but yeah, you always think like, boy, who would you take out? I don't know. They're, That's they're, it, yeah. they're so good. Good position to win. So just before we finish, uh, Steve Bruce's Newcastle, as we spoke about earlier at Anfield on Saturday, and uh, an appealing trip to Napoli on Tuesday oh, night in the Champions yeah. League. You're back again to Naples. I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, what are your predictions, lads, before we finish then for for those two games? Another one of these go. Newcastle. I'm, I'm thinking three nil. Again, and Napoli think it's going to be much closer. I think it's going to be reverse of last season. We'll win one nil. Yeah, I think that's um, a fair case. I think we'll, <clears throat> as long as we um, we focus and work hard, um, then we should overcome Newcastle without too much trouble. I don't see they've got too many tools to help us. I think it's a it's a case of when we can make the um, the breakthrough um, mm. against them. Hasn't Steve Bruce? I think got like a decent it's record. Weirdly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's like a Paul Lambert, isn't he? Kind of, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he has got. You know, it's not a 
it's not an absolute shoe in because his teams do tend to do okay against us, bizarrely. Um, but I still expect us to win. And then, yeah, Napoli will be interesting because our away form in Europe last year was terrible, really. In the group stages, definitely. Yeah, that has been the trend. That has been the trend. You know, we have we have been poor. So that will be again if we if we are saying as we were making the argument earlier that we're now this you know this monolith this juggernaut and we've evolved and and now we're seeing like the the absolute peak of this um, or the coming into the peak. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. It's a difficult one to call because um, Napoli are an awkward side. Um, but I'm well, all right. So I'm. Come off the fence. I'm going to say two wins. Um, Newcastle should be routine, I'd imagine. Uh, Napoli last season was a crazy game. Like in the whole day, like it was dead hot. It was about 28, 29 degrees. Got to kick off and it belted down, and the pitch was just the, the ball would hardly move. Kaita went off after about twenty min- minutes injured, so we were a bit all over the place early. Um. We're a better team than we were 12 months ago. So, yeah, I fancy to go there and do the job. We've got Fabinho. I suppose thinking about mm-hmm. it, Fabinho is the the player we didn't yes. have no, last year. Yeah. that we. Yeah. yeah, I think he actually came on with about 25 minutes to go last year and actually played quite well. But Napoli were just sharper than us um, that night and Alisson made a few good saves. But I think we're just a better side than when we played there last year. So, yeah, fancy is 2-0 over in Italy. But... Before we leave the last podcast, um, I mean, we were talking about pre-season and uh, I said, wondered how long I'd last in Bradford. <laughs> right, I had, Bruce just scored had, early, didn't he? I had, <laughs> I had so many tweets asking how long did you last? And um, the answer is six minutes. We stayed for one minute for each European Cup win and then we went to pub and watched the uh, Cricket World Cup final, which was great. <laughs> which was probably the right decision. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Still don't know what score it was. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, lads thanks very much for joining us and we will be back in two weeks and if we are back in two weeks that means we will be previewing the Chelsea game I think won't it that'd be the because yeah. we've got this... we've got, we've got MK Dons on the Wednesday, Wednesday night, night. yeah and then Chelsea on the Sunday we'll try and fit that in because that is probably the first big big league game of the season isn't it yeah nice one you've been listening to the View from the Cop podcast on the Blood Red channel